There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thank you for clicking play and for clicking download. This is episode 20. 20. Of the really? Smart Gilas wow. Pilipinas podcast. Know that. We haven't been counting on the podcast itself, but we have to mark this as a milestone because this is episode number 20 and you've kept us alive over the past five months. The SGP podcast. This is the SummerSlam edition, by the way. We're coming off the heels of an excellent, well, fine, not so excellent, but we have a lot to talk about when it comes to SummerSlam. But before we get into that, let me backtrack a bit. And for all you newcomers out there, my name is Stan. And my name is Ro, and Stan here is going so fast. He went right into that. Like, oh, slow down, buddy. I, I was so slow excited. Down. Hell, I was, I was so excited to wake up and just catch SummerSlam from the kickoff all the way to the main card. Well, I, I guess it's no secret for the people who know me that I don't really work on Monday mornings, right. especially on pay-per-view mo- Monday right. mornings. So I had the luxury of just, just you know catching everything, even though I didn't exactly pay nine ninety nine. Other people aren't as lucky as you. Then again, you found a way, found a way to stay updated and abreast of the events. That's all we're gonna say about it. <laughs> that is all we're gonna say about that. I don't want to go into that anymore. Moving on. Moving on. Well, like we said, there's so much to talk about given the events that transpired at SummerSlam, on Raw, and hell, even the SmackDown right before SummerSlam. So let's get right to it with a list of things we like and don't like about wrestling in the past week, and we call this list spots, spots and, and botches. botches. Let's start off with a spot that happened on SmackDown, and I actually enjoyed this match very much. Mm-hmm. It was Dean Ambrose versus Cesaro. Now, all you indie hipsters out there who liked them back when they were Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley probably had a huge-ass wet dream when this match was going down. But this match has been a matchup that's been going on for what? The past couple of weeks, past few weeks, past month. Uh, I'm sure they've had like two other matches on Raw on a previous Raw and SmackDown right before this. They actually had enough time to, you know, kinda had kinda have a good story to add to the fact that Cesaro is still trying to curry favor with the authority and Dean Ambrose is just pretty much taking on all comers that go in his direction. I think it's more of a go to matchup for um for for a st- un- unstacked SmackDown, if you if you need a good match on the fly, book Dean Ambrose versus Cesaro. Book Cesaro and in- against anyone to be sure. They can act. They they will pull off a good match hands down. So that's a spot on our list. We loved it. Dean Ambrose versus Cesaro. Speaking of Dean Ambrose, we have to get to this next spot <laughs> right the hell now. Right, right now. If you've seen the end of this Monday's Raw, it was a false count anywhere rematch from SummerSlam between Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and. There were cinder blocks at ringside. Who knew that cinder blocks actually existed at ringside? I think in all the years we've been watching wrestling, this is the first time that I've seen hollow blocks at ring. Right, and for those who haven't seen it, uh, spoiler alert for the next uh, five minutes, I guess. Yeah. Um, Seth Rollins curb stomped Dean Ambrose's head through those cinder blocks. That's right. And those cinder blocks collapsed and exploded. Not and exploded like boom, but um, you know, it, it just broke. It just broke down. They disintegrated. That's right. Right. Now, you know, to break kayfabe a little bit, this is because they are writing Titty Master out of the storylines because he's filming a movie. Our <laughs> boy Titty Master is going to be in a WWE movie. <laughs> and it's not that kind of a, a movie when you think when you hear Titty Master. That's right. It's not the same kind of movie you're thinking of. He's actually going to be in an action film. I believe it's called Lockdown, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure this guy is going to be a better action mo- action star than The Miz is. Because I don't buy Miz as an action movie star. You know what? I don't buy Ted DiBiase either. I no, think no, he'll I, be better. I, no, I buy Ted DiBiase more. Because um, he, he's got the look, at least. He doesn't look like a wuss. At all. Not like Miz is. But Titty Master looks like a badass. He looks like a grade-A badass. And I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing Lockdown, even if it comes out but anyway, only yeah, on DVD. Um, Cinderblocks. Cinderblocks, yes. Cinderblocks. <laughs> yeah. Because, wow, guys. When it, how, my, my thoughts going into this was like, um, where, who, how do they find the time to set up cinder blocks at ringside without anyone noticing? Whoever thought about using cinder blocks at Raw or as the finish for the false count anywhere match is a genius. Give that guy a pay raise. But another, another spot there is that after the show, 
they they put out a press release about Dean Ambrose escaping uh, medic, the medical facility. And now he is missing, quote unquote missing. Which is very much consistent with his Epis character right now. Partial Epis, I, I said that um, if Dean Ambrose was going to get booked superhumanly, I would have a big problem with it. But now this is just funny. <laughs> as long as he stays away, stays away from the product for uh, for well a few months while he's filming his new movie. Okay, fine. That's 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 to have fun with the escaping scenario. And I'd like to think that once Titty Master comes back, he'll come back to a raucous ovation. Thank you, Dean Ambrose. Right. So moving on to our next spot. Mark Henry, the Big Show, uh, the brand, a brand new tag team in the WWE. For, for God, for how long? I don't know. We nobody knows. I believe they're now being referred to as the world's largest tag team, and we have to we have to notice that finisher. We have to call out that finisher. I love it. it uh, you know how Big Show is always involved in double finishers or tag team finishers, whether it's a double choke slam or a choke slam incorporated with someone else's finisher. Right. But the WMD and the world's strongest slam together is probably one of the more hard-hitting tag team finishers we've seen. Right. And, well, that is, that is a doozy. You know, the, the KO push of WMD is no joke. No, it's not. And when you combine it with the world's strongest man doing a, a, a press slam on you, how do you not get knocked out, right? And I, uh, I think they used it on Eric Rowan on SmackDown. And, you know, Eric Rowan is a big dude, so let's try to put on our kayfabe hats. Eric Rowan's not getting up from a WMD and from a world, uh, world's largest slam, well, or world's strongest slam. Yeah, he's a big dude, but Mark Henry is the world's strongest man. So I don't, have, I don't see a problem with that at all. I love that finisher. And for as long as the world's largest tag team tags together, I want to keep seeing more of that finisher. Right, so moving on to our next botch. Last week on SmackDown, Jack Swagger squashed our very own Bo Dallas. You know what? As a Bo Lever, I think that's a botch because it pretty much killed any any remaining heat that Bo Dallas had. And I, I call this a botch watching SmackDown and not having seen Raw yet. But now after having seen Raw, I think they were planting the seeds as early as SmackDown for Jack Swagger and Bo Dallas' next program. Which, which is with, good, which is good because it's more forward-thinking. And uh, I think we need to go into this more because uh, this is the kind of thing that Swagger needs. That's right. He needs this. Um, this is this is the kind of thing I wanted before his face turned. You say if they did this before they turned uh, Swagger and Zeb Coulter face, I would have bought that face for more. That's the thing I was talking about. That's the kind of personal distress, personal pitfall that the Swagger character needs to undergo before being a believable face. And right now, I think Jack Swagger is going through, uh, going through, the, going through a losing streak, which is getting him sympathy from the, from the audience, from the WWE universe. It's and not like, a losing streak per se, but it's more of... He letting, got humiliated. Yeah, he got humiliated and he feels like he let America down after, after losing to Rusev. After not actually, not actually losing, but passing out to Rusev's accolade. You know what? I think I, I actually like the, uh, the choice of having Bo Dallas become Jack Swagger's next foil because given Bo Dallas's condescending character, uh, his gimmick, I think it's perfect for someone like Jack Swagger who's going through the doldrums right now, and it really does make people more sympathetic yeah, towards the Swagger character. I would buy this more. Yeah, I don't like you know my feelings on the on the real Americans characters, and they they have done nothing to sell me on a face turn. But, but right this now, might I think... be the start of something better. And I hope that Bo isn't just the only villain to terrorize Swagger and maybe Coulter, but I hope that there, you know, Swagger runs a gauntlet of a whole lot of other villains, uh, heels, in order for him to come out as a, a more believable face. I'd like to see that uh, happen. So yeah, from one botch, we actually turned that into a spot. Now, uh, speaking of spots and uh, Mark Henry, you talked about yeah, Mark speaking Henry of Rusev, earlier. Speaking of Rusev, not in. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Swagger and Rusev. They're all interconnected because Rusev's next challenger is apparently Mark Henry. Who is an Olympian. An actual Olympian who has actually gone to bat for the U.S. of A. US of a. Which actually makes sense. No, because yeah, I would buy... I, I bought... Mark Henry as a better challenger for against Rusev disrespecting America. Yeah. Because now at least I know this guy, he's never trashed, you know, foreigners before. Right. I, I don't I have I haven't seen him display any racist or xenophobic behavior. And Mark Henry is easy to get behind whether or not you're American. Right. Because um whatever heel what whatever heel run he's he's had before, it's more of a on a personal uh behavior um, in, uh, it's more of an honest behavior. Though, just yeah. him being a bully, yeah, just, just him, him being, being dominant. It's not. It's it doesn't. It's not a huge leap in logic when you try to defend the 
the honor of the United States. So yeah, looking forward to seeing that as well. Mizark versus Rusev. Uh, another spot on this list is that uh, the ending to the match or the rematch between Miz and Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental the Championship, Championship. And Raw was a spot because um, it gave Miz another another out to continue to feud. That's right. Uh, um, just because Dolph Ziggler won the title at SummerSlam doesn't mean the feud has to end. What's nice is the fact that, like Rose said, Miz has a legit claim to having beaten Dolph Ziggler, albeit via countout. But at least uh, you know Miz was able to extend the feud against Ziggler. Which I think I think there I think the WWE is uh, is really high in this feud because they're putting out uh, Dolph and Miz have great chemistry. They're putting out top matches, not really the best, but really solid matches. And I think they're, they're, they want to milk this feud for as much as it can be milked out for. I know that Dolph Ziggler is a great worker. He's one of the best wrestlers on the roster right now. But I think given how limited Miz can be sometimes, I, I'm really proud of how Dolph is you know, just bringing out the best in Miz. And we, we saw that at SummerSlam. We saw that at Raw this past week. So uh, I expect nothing more but good things coming out from this Dolph, uh, Dolph Miz feud. Parang blue lang yan, papi, bringing out the best in me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> right, I walked on. into that one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I thought of it. Anyway, moving on to our next botch. Um, if you've seen, let's go into NXT for a bit. If you've seen last week's NXT, uh, you you'd have seen the one or, the number one contenders match for the NXT Women's Championship between Sasha Banks and Bailey, and Bailey won that match, making her the next number one contender, the new number one contender. Okay, and I kind of have a problem with Bailey's character. Don't get me wrong, because Bailey is a future women's champion. She's that good. She's very good. Um, someone who could carry Eva Marie to a decent, a decent showing would be very good. Uh huh. Right. So, but I, if, for those who don't know NXT, for those who don't follow NXT, Bailey has this weird, cutesy character. Namejo made for PG talaga. All right. She likes to hug people. That's her gimmick. Okay. She's, now that's cute. It's cute. Yeah, but. I don't feel it. It's not a real. It's not a good gimmick for wrestling at all. It's cutesy, but it's it's not you know it's not championship material. It's not something you can get behind. Well, maybe some kids or you know people who just who like cute stuff can get behind it, but I don't feel it because I also don't think Bailey, the wrestler, feels it. And I think that uh, it's very important, actually, for a wrestler or for an individual to feel their character for it to work. Yeah. No, I mean, like, there are people who have been saddled with characters that they might not like. Uh, I can't think of anyone that um, maybe, I don't know, Chavo Guerrero, Kerwin White, maybe something like that. Yeah. Uh, Santino Morella as a funny Italian guy. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure which, ca- which wrestlers actually do not like the gimmicks they're in off the top of my head at the moment. But... Uh, those wrestlers, if they're good enough, they can carry it. They can carry it even if they don't like it. Yeah, because if you're if you're a good enough actor, you can actually pull off the necessary nuances of your character. Right. Despite uh, how you actually feel towards it. But I don't think Bailey is good enough as an actress to carry her character, even though even though she doesn't like it. Just like the Bellas. You know, th- this is just me speculating. Promise. I don't know if she likes it or not, but I can I feel that she doesn't like it. That's just me. And it kind of gets in the way of, of, I don't know, of acting it properly, of of expressing that energy. It's just there's just something off when I watch Bailey wrestle on my screen. Um, I know she's good enough, no doubt, but I think a retooling is in order. I think um, uh, a a good a good way to a good way to to revamp the character, or maybe retool the character, is to have her be the same cutesy, huggy person. Outside the ring, but if she steps into the ring with a girl she doesn't like, she'll snap and be more be more aggressive. I don't know why, but I, I'm suddenly uh, I'm suddenly getting flashbacks of a particular wrestler. I, I can't remember who this character is right now, and uh, uh, they're kind of weird. But ah, Festus from Jesse and Festus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's that's a, that's the closest uh, comparison. But now, now Festus is all, uh, for lack of a better term, you know. And, and then as soon as the bell rings He turns into a monster Then when the bell rings again He snaps back into that uh, Bumpy yeah, mode Yeah I know I know That that's The closest thing you think of But it's not quite like that But yeah Okay let's go with that um, It's the closest It's the closest example Right can, you know. Closest example We can so think of right all, now So that's all I think Bailey just needs A, a bit more reworking With the character Because he can't just be All cutesy Because it's just If you don't If you can't play it well Then it's, you're not gonna get 
far with it. Right, right. Now, speaking of characters that are playing particular roles, I want to talk about the Usos because uh, we've talked about them on the podcast for quite some time, uh, particularly when they pulled off that switcheroo against Rybaxel. And at the time, I said that it's something they shouldn't do, especially because they're the face tag team champions. But if you noticed Raw this week, they were actually in a match against Goldust and Stardust. So that's two face teams going at it. Mm-hmm. And Raw pointed this out. Uh, yep. The match started with one Uso pushing Goldust. Right. And as you said, it was a face versus face uh, match. And how do we tell who is the heel here? I mean, okay, there's nothing wrong with face versus face programs, but it's just harder to write for. That's right. Uh, it's harder to write for that. And um, it, it just is so. It just makes much more sense when you have a face and heel going at it. But fine, let's say that the Dust Brothers are the hungry number one contenders right. going against the face champions. Mm-hmm. Um how do you know agad kusin yung gagawin mo kontra bida? Like, which one are you going to assign the heel mannerisms to? Are you going to give it to the team that's less over? Because right now, I think they're equally over among, you know, among probably, each other. Probably, probably, probably. So, like, which one do you actually turn heel? And, and as, uh, you know, as you said, uh, I noticed the Usos pushing Goldust. That's a heel move. That's, and it's, kind of a heel, it's kind of a hint toward a future heel turn, I guess. But I can totally see it now. I can totally see how the Usos can be turned heel. They've been champions for so long yeah. that maybe I know, they, they take on this arrogance, this uh, this vibe na mayabang na. Because we've beaten every, we've beaten the Wyatt family, we've beaten everyone who comes our way. So like, come on, uh, tag team division, who you got left? You know what? Uh, I remember when uh, when I think it was Stardust who pinned one of the Usos, and then they slid out of the ring, right? right. The Usos were there. You could see that look on their face, that look of disgust now after nila natalo. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the type of uh, look that a face would have. Like, mukha silang kontrabida actually in that particular scene. Yeah, and it's going to be a challenge for the Usos now because they're a really good face team. They're, they're really good face wrestlers, and they've known, uh, they know now how to manage a crowd as the faces. And they know how to play off the crowd. They know how to panic to the crowd as faces. And now... It's a whole new thing being a heel because if you're naturally likable, I think the I think the Usos look naturally likable. Yeah, they are. They are. So now you're gonna have to try and well be a, be a jerk, I guess. And I guess it's much easier to hate someone than it is to like someone. It is much easier to hate someone than to like someone. But I'd like to think that ngayon medyo baligtad yung natural inclination si tong dalawang teams vis-a-vis what roles they're actually supposed to play. Because I think Goldust and Cody are more yeah, inclined I, towards yeah, being heels. Um, no, 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 no. I think Cold, Goldust and Cody at this point being weird and all, I think they're more inclined towards faces. Oh, yeah. This, this particular characters. Yeah. These particular characters. But, you know, Cody Rhodes as Cody Rhodes. As Cody Rhodes. Mas madali siya maging kontrabida. Of course. Well, and, as and Cody Goldust, Rhodes as Cody Rhodes. And Goldust in his prime was, was also... a uh, a contrabida. Yeah, but only because he was acting gay, and that and yeah, being ambiguously gay, gay equals villain. Yeah, at that point, because you know, of course, we're men, we're manly men here. We don't want to see wrestlers fondling each other in the ring, even though that's actually what happens. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, before I, we get like, too ahead of ourselves, yeah, I'd like to see what the Usos can do here because I can, I can. It's easy for them to you know, to be heels because all they have to do is be mayabang and be flashy. Yeah. I think I think it's a good challenge for them that would help them grow as wrestlers. And uh, hopefully, we see more. Uh, we, you know, we've been say, we've been saying this out of every spot, but uh, this is one of the first times we see we say this after a botch. Because I, you know, like I said earlier, I do have a problem right now with the Usos being nominally face and doing heel. Moves. It's not an actual botch, but yeah, you get the point. And with that, we close this week's list of the things we like and don't like about wrestling this week, which we call spots, spots and botches. botches. Right now, we have to talk about SummerSlam. Uh, right, yeah, let's go into SummerSlam real too quick. Too many things happening at SummerSlam. Let's do a quick review of what happened, and let's start off at the top, uh, uh, or at uh, you know, with the opening match of the card, Miz versus Dolph. We talked about it earlier. I, I've said what needs to be said. The fact that Dolph makes Miz better. Yeah. No, no, I don't think it's necessarily Dolph that makes Miz better, or even Miz makes Dolph better. I, oh, think, I never said Miz makes Dolph. No, better. no, no, no. It, it might. Some people might think that, but Dolph is naturally good, as we all know. But I think that what they're being given now is making them better. Um, Miz has this new Hollywood gimmick that absolutely works for him, but and and then Dolph has this gimmick. Nah, he's coming up now. He's, right. He's he's being given the title. He's he's working his ass off trying to to get back to his form right before he was injured last 
year. Yeah. And I think they're I think they're both refreshed and revitalized because of this, because of these opportunities are being given. And they're they're in a storyline that actually matters. Right. And I think that's important. Yeah, because it's for the Intercontinental Championship, right? So yeah, I think it's because of that same energy, that same uh, vitality that, that makes them put on good matches with each other and good chemistry with each other. I think they were both guys who, as we both saw earlier this year, were complaining about not getting enough time. And now that they are, they're making the most out of it. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. And funny that you should mention that storyline from a couple of months, uh, from several months ago. I was actually expecting something to come out of that. And um, I, I'd like to think that what we have is tons better than what would have come out. Because as you've said before, um, it, it's never a good thing when you have to take from real world elements and incorporate that into your stories. That's true. That's true. That shows a lack of creativity. Especially on your if you're doing internal stuff. If you, Very if you meta from, things. Yeah. No, from internal, internal politics and internal relationship right, dynamics. Right. So, yeah, and I also want to make this observation that I think Dolph is trying to wrestle as the next Daniel Bryan. Wow, that's the first time I've heard that. Dolph's style hasn't really changed. But it's less high risk than Bryan's. It's for sure, but he bumps like like a motherfucker here. He does. He 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 gives his body. He puts his body on the line just to make his opponents look good. But he's not as stiff. He's not as hard hitting as Daniel Bryan is. Oh, for sure, for sure. But um, he's wrestling with that same energy that Bryan brought to the ring. If you've noticed, but what, even though that he hasn't really changed his style, I don't know why I just made this observation lately. But maybe it's because of the fact that. Daniel Bryan is absent at the moment. I think it's because of the void. Yeah, it's because nah, of the void. We're no? looking for a particular think, person to fill in that and void. I, I, I don't know if it's on purpose or maybe subtly or unintentional. Ziggy stepped up. Yeah, Ziggy's um, slowly stepping up and realizing that, hey, this worked for Bryan. Maybe if I try to do the same things, maybe if I make people notice that I'm really bringing this energy, this raw energy to the table, maybe I could get that spot too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something to think about. It's, it's all speculations. It's a theory in my end. So, yeah, I'm just saying that maybe if, um, if Dolph works hard enough at it, maybe he could be the next Brian. Interesting observation, my friend. I, I haven't seen it that way. But, yeah, I think that's something worth uh, musing about over it's the next theory. week. It's a theory. Uh, next match on the list, of course, uh, Paige versus AJ Lee. You know what? We had a lot of expectations for this. We did. Especially given we the build-up. We did, yeah. Um, the build-up was good, but the match was... We cannot say the same thing for it. I thought it was underwhelming. It was very underwhelming. Um, not that uh, it didn't... Well, it got just five minutes of time, of ring time. And uh, I don't know why. Well, the crowd was kind of dead for that match. Like, they weren't as hot for it as they were for the previous match, which was Miz versus Dolph. Well, I- that's also because the match uh, didn't build up on a natural pace. Eh? But it just really started going places, uh, weird places at, at, at the start. Yeah, but it, just, it was just so disjointed. Something was just off. There was no natural pace to it. There was just no progression that it was natural. And I think even, even casual fans aren't as, as, uh, as observant. And as no, actually, mindful. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, I've seen um, other people rate it well, but I, di- I didn't, I didn't feel anything for this match. I don't know. I, I look at it from my perspective as, like, let's say, from several years ago when I wasn't as observant of ring technique right. or of, sure, of okay. storytelling in a match. Like, I think if uh, if me from for, if I saw this and I was like from six, seven years ago, I probably would feel the same way. Now there, there was something a bit off. The story wasn't played out, and I know they were only given five minutes, but even if you only get four minutes or three minutes or two minutes, if you're good enough and you believe in your, in your story and what you're, in, what you're trying to say, you would make the most out of those short minutes. But they didn't. Um, it was just so weird. It was really... I, I can't even explain it. Something was just off, and I don't, know who to bla- I don't know who to place the blame on. Would it be Paige or would it be AJ? I think it's more of AJ, but at the same time, it's, it's just... It's just all over the place. But at the end of the match, I just found myself saying, Ayun And normally, you don't want to have that feeling, especially if you're coming off a championship match. And especially if you're trying to build up uh, the next, the future of the Divas in Paige. And yeah, she is a two-time Divas champion now, Everything by the way. is going against her at the moment, and she needs, um, she needs good performances. And this... This kind of match is one that you cannot absolutely have on your resume really early in your career. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to sound really shallow here, but I, I'm going to try to make a point as well. All right, right? fine, go on. So like Let when me see I was, what you have. When I was watching the match and when I was watching the build-up, I think the most interesting observation I could make was when she debuted like the way that she looked whatever man. her hair and <laughs> whatever. makeup her hair and makeup is not as good as it is right now pause anyway um, well I know Paige tried to make the most out of her out of the build up out of everything because she was putting her everything into it but I think I just think I don't know I don't know again another theory another bit of speculation I think AJ was kind of sandbagging the whole feud the whole program Wow, okay. Where is this know. coming from? I don't know. I feel like AJ is the person who isn't holding up her end of the, of the, of the program. Well, I, I guess she hasn't been as likable as we would have expected uh, from a face AJ. Like, if you remember pay, uh, face AJ from 2012, remember when she was the sympathetic girlfriend to Daniel Bryan? Yeah. She was really doing her, doing her part to be kawawa. Like, no, yeah. but AJ now was being a champion. She's acting like a champion, and she's... Acting like a champion who has a challenger who's really proving to be a thorn in her side. But at the same time, she's not as, I don't know, like, um, well, I feminine charm that you would expect from a girl you're actually supposed no, to sure. like. Well, I don't mind. I actually don't mind AJ's characterization at the moment, but I just feel like she's not holding up her end, Talaga. I think that she's not giving her all to put Paige over. Since I don't know why. I don't know if it's because uh, people are working against her because of being. Associated Maybe, with CM Punk? Not just associated, married to CM Punk. I don't know. I, I think there's something going on here that we cannot really see from the outside. Now that we've mentioned uh, the elephant in the room, you know, the CM Punk marriage, uh, there is speculation that AJ is actually on her way out yet again. Yeah, but but come on. Why five minutes? I mean, this could have been great. Cause I, I, think that's, I think that's the takeaway here. I think that's what we were uh, expecting here, that it could have been great knowing the, knowing the skills of these two women. And it was just flat, and for more reasons than one. But I think, I really do think, um, say whatever you want about Paige, but she really tried her best to 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 make it work on her end. All right, I I think everything that need needed to be said about that match. I just hope that has been said. Well, yeah, I just hope that whoever Paige faces next will will do it. Uh, will will do business with her. Talaga. Do business, yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Thank what? you for not responding much to that. <laughs> anyway, I, well, like I said, no, everything okay. that had to be said was already put on the table. Well, yeah, again, more theory, more speculation from me. So, yeah, you don't have to you don't have to believe it if you don't want to, but this these are just my opinions because these are my observations then. Uh let's talk about Rusev and Lana. Uh that that flag match there is there, there there was something that went down in that flag match that a lot of people noticed, um, particularly when Swagger still had the flag. The uh, US, before the before the beginning of the match, before the bell was rung, and then Rusev struck Swagger and he dropped the flag. Now, if uh, you know, regardless of where you are, whether you are in wrestling or in the real world, if you drop a flag, that's disrespectful. Right, and I agree. the law The law here, the custom here, that says uh, you should not make the flag touch the floor. I agree with it. Right, but. It's for that same reason that I like what Rusev did. I like that Rusev attacked Swagger as he was waving the flag, causing him to drop the flag and get even more heat on him. Because it's not Swagger's fault that he dropped the flag. It's Rusev's fault, obviously. So right, why- I have two questions, sure, actually. Okay. My first question is, is it against the law in the U.S. for the flag to, uh, to, you know, to, to touch the floor? Because if it is... There is no law prohibiting it. It's just a matter of custom. All right. Okay, now that we have that settled. Is somebody liable? It's not like Jericho kicking the Brazilian flag. Exactly. I was actually going to get into that. It's not that. It's not the same thing. But thank you, because I was, I was about to reference that. Mm-hmm. I think I believe that was also the incident that got Finley fired, right? No, the, the, the thing that got Finley fired was an interrupting, interrupting the national anthem. Tama, I think it was in Germany or something. Anyway, before, uh, if, before we digress further, uh, my second question then is... If you think that it was an intelligent move for Rusev to attack Swagger while Swagger held the flag, um, my my thing is, is, is somebody from creative actually that creative to have thought of that, you know, to have thought of that nuance? I don't care who thought of it, but I just know that someone had to have thought of it. What if it just happened to be a coincidence? They were just like, uh, Rusev, go attack Swagger like, no, before I, the match starts. You know what? Starts. I'm, I'm going to put over Rusev and Lana here because I know Lana is a good heel for for what it's worth that she's not a ra- an actual wrestler or anything. 
And I think that it's either Lana's or Rusev's idea, or maybe even Swagger and Zeb's idea. Maybe, might be even Zeb's idea, knowing how, how wily the veteran is. I hope it was Zeb's idea. Um, I, I guess what would really disappoint me is if it was just a matter of coincidence. We'll never know. We won't ever know that. But I think that there is no base for people to get mad at WWE. Because, come on, they're telling a story. And it's the same thing I said during the whole Chris Jericho Brazilian flag thing. Because it's all in the name. And, and, and to an extent, the Lana referencing recent, recent events stick in her promo. And it's all in the name of a good story. And villains have to be villainous and heroes have to be heroic. I, I That's all I have to say about it. I just hope that wasn't coincidental. You know, Sana, you know, oh, fine, okay, but we'll never know if it was unless someone says something about it in a podcast or an interview, or whatever. Or yeah, a shoot interview or whatever. Definitely. Uh, next match on the SummerSlam card was the Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose match. Uh, that lumberjack match actually opened the second hour of the show. I told you. I told you. Fine, I stand I told corrected. You, I told everyone here on this podcast not to shit on it just yet. You know what? I enjoy that match so much. I'm going to say it as early as now. That Lumberjack match is my pick of the week. Okay, okay. You blew your load in that one. All right. It's okay. I mean, I, I <laughs> loved it. It was a great match. I think the Lumberjacks yeah. played their role. Like, they weren't as useless as I thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seth and Dean really held up their end of the bargain. I told you. Cause I, 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 this is what I've been saying. I'm, I know that Seth and Dean would not be so careless or dumb to... to Present or to use a kind of lame duck stipulation to not, and not have something planned for it, right? And the crowd was white hot for that match. Oh, no, it's because it's Seth, and, it's Seth and Dean. Yeah, because that feud was bubbling for yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah, because come on. And uh, everybody had a role to play. When I say everybody, everybody, yeah, even Kane, who yeah. we didn't expect to be in that match. Lumberjacks were not just Lumberjacks. And I think that from this point on, they have to, they have to book Lumberjack matches this way. I think they put. It, I think they're gonna book themselves in the corner in this one. Yeah. No way to book a lumberjack match other than what we saw in SummerSlam, where they actually do have a more active role. Right. And you know, uh, like so I think this is something we mentioned last week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Now it it does help the fact that a lot of these lumberjacks do have a certain sense of history with both Ambrose and Rollins. Like, yeah. So maybe that's why uh, the heels were also pushing Seth in. And even the faces were getting getting hit by De- by Dean. Right, like so, yeah. uh, Goldust and Stardust were there. The Usos were there. The Wyatts were there. Even even Goldust and Cody Rose referenced their history with Kane and the Authority. That's right, because Goldust was the one who stood up to Kane. Right, and it's all it was all brilliantly booked. It was, and a great I told match. you, I told you not to shit on anything yet, especially when you got two talented guys in Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. In the, in the mix This is going to be One of those moments When fine Okay you say I told you so And I'm going to agree I'm not going to say Anything anymore Because you were right You know I have A lot of those Every year I have Fuck a lot of those Moments Fuck you <laughs> How about this one though The Bray Wyatt Chris Jericho match uh, We were expecting Something totally different Than what we got Well We expected Bray to win And that happened So that's good Okay But uh, We expected a great story We expected uh, something, it, something, yeah, something, that, something we could jizz about, yeah. and not be guilty. Something to chant, "Holy shit!" or "Is this awesome?" On right. Instead, we did that for the lumberjack match. Sure, and it's kind of it, the problem with the Bray and Jericho match. What's other than not being, not living up to its expectations was that it had to follow a hot lumberjack match. And you, when, when have you? What would you ever have? Thought of hearing those words A hot lumberjack match I know right But you look at that card A lot of those feuds Were so hot That when they had the match but it, it would be so hard To come after any of those matches Hell the Brie Bella Stephanie McMahon match I'd like to think It was a good match Like it would be, You would be pressured To come right after that match Right Right And it, not just a good match but It was a good story It was a great story man. Yeah And before we get into that We just go back uh, we just, Before we leave Wyatt versus Jericho We just would like to say Now I think we had so much expectations coming from Chris Jericho, who is a veteran who knows how his, you know, who knows his way around the ring, who knows his way around the mic, who knows his way around a good story. And just we just didn't get that. And it, it's sad, know. it's disappointing, but you know, um, I, I don't want to point fingers at anyone because I'd like to think they tried, but I don't know. Um, it's maybe because uh, they didn't dumb down the feud enough before. I think I say that. As you go higher, you need to dumb it down more. You, you need to break it down to more primal emotions. So, mas simple dapat yung, yeah. yung elements of that yeah. story. As you, as you get hotter, kasi. 
Because you need uh, the audience needs something to chew on. Yeah. Because right. Because you know, like Chris Jericho and CM Punk before um, event. At first, it was about. Uh, at first, Chris Jericho was taunting Punk about his parents, about his family. Right. Um, and then it just beca- it just becomes a matter of uh, a personal issue. Right. And it just boils down to that. Um, that. Like you shit on my family, I hate you. Yeah, it's now no longer just about um, a, a family punk isn't proud of. It's just a matter of Jericho. someone disrespecting yeah, his family. Yeah, it just gets simpler, and it just it's easier for the audience to chew on. Yeah, but it, that didn't happen here. Yeah, it just didn't. It, it didn't happen here because Bray was referencing so many things. Nah, you know, for an observer of wrestling, you have to actually put two and two together. Right, like the whole savior thing. If you didn't follow Chris Jericho's 2007 run or his run from a couple of years ago, you probably wouldn't be able to connect the fact. Now, when Jericho says "savior" or "save me," he refers to himself, and it's a gimmick he actually has. And Jericho's role here was to dumb down Bray Wyatt. He was supposed to bring it down to more intelligible emotions. But I don't think he did that because he was too busy trying to play up the role of him being the victim. Right, and he was trying to get on Bray's level. Then he was just trying to play his game. Instead. And it didn't work. So, okay, what I'm trying to... Uh, I don't understand. So like, Jer- no, Jericho has to translate Bray. To put it simply, he has to translate Bray by, in his reactions toward him. Which he, did, which he wasn't able to do successfully. Yeah, he wasn't able to do that properly. Sayang. He couldn't... Parang, um, he, I think that what could have happened there was that Bray was accusing Jericho of not being a good savior. Yeah. I think Jericho should have explained that and explained the whole savior thing. Right, right. Because in, uh, instead of actually defending himself, defending his character, he just struck back. Gumante lang yeah. si Jericho. Yeah, and n- nobody really knew. I, I, could under- I could follow what Bray was saying, but I can tell you that it wasn't a strong, it wasn't a strong point of view at all. It wasn't strong material. On the flip side, though, you can actually counter that argument by saying that uh, because of the fact that si Chris Jericho, it was very dumbed down. It was very simple. Na, you know, you piss me off, I'm gonna get back at you. But there wasn't much of a story, though. Mm, Parang, the right, emotions, right. The emotions weren't brought out. Right, right. So it's not fully fleshed out. And that's, that's why there's this feeling that it's cool. Yeah. And I think Bray was trying to include the whole universe, the WWE universe. Because he has been, regardless of whichever feud he's been in, whether it was Daniel Bryan or John Cena or Chris Jericho, he's always made an effort to include the WWE universe. Yeah, and well, they tried, but... The, the universe didn't know how to respond here. But um, it wasn't so clean cut as versus Cena. Or even Daniel Bryan. Sure. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it just, maybe maybe it was that. Maybe it was trying to rehash those same stories, but they, they it, just couldn't. They just couldn't do it here. They just couldn't hack it. So I guess that's that. And uh, is this feed over? Do you think it's over? I hope it is. Hopefully. Well, from Raw, I don't think it was it. Eh? Uh, but I, I just hope it is. All right. Like, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done. Um, one feud, though, that should have been over at SummerSlam was the Stephanie McMahon-Brie Bella feud. Yeah. That should have ended at SummerSlam. Yeah. And, and then, that was a feud that, you know, should have seen the good guys win. Well, before, before, we, before, we, before we go into what's bad about it, just talk about what's good about it first. Okay. Stephanie McMahon has more moves than Roman Reigns. Yes, and she's a decent wrestler. She is still a decent wrestler, I mean, she despite might be, yeah. having uh, you know stayed away from the ring for over a decade. Over a decade that Stephanie McMahon has 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 wrestled, and you know she she didn't look like she had a lot of ring rust. And I guess uh, give credit where credit is due. Good job, Hunter, for training her. <laughs> training her, yeah, yeah exercise. Her. <laughs> but she might be feeling hell though. She might be feeling like hell after taking all those bumps. But you know you have to you have to praise Stephanie and Brie for that match. I mean, you know, uh, you know, independent of the ending, the match and the rivalry, the story, um, the build up. It it was something that I actually enjoyed. The fact that it closed out two consecutive Monday Night Raws and the emotions, you know, comparing that from the Jericho Wyatt feud, the emotions were so raw and yet were, so. It was more simple. It was Brie Bella defending her honor and her husband's honor. Right. That, how do you not relate to that, Diva? Oh no, man. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience can relate to that. And it, you know, it didn't take a lot of logic to put that together. But what is Kind of taking up all of my logic right now is the ending of that match. Like hindi ko pa rin, I, I still can't put two into together. Like why it would end up that way, even in real life. You know it was gonna happen, but you don't like how it happened or why it happened. 
So Nikki Bella turned heel. Let's you know, let, let's put it out there. Right. Hell, Nikki Bella turned heel before Cena did. Yeah. Before her before her boyfriend did. <laughs> what the hell? Hey, if Brock Lesnar is Plan B, and Cesaro might be Plan C, uh-huh. Nikki Bella is Plan Double B. Oh! <laughs> hey! Oh! Hey! <laughs> I saw that one. joke on the internet, so I don't I don't claim I don't claim ownership of that. That is a good one. That is a good one. Plan sir. Double D. <laughs> <laughs> I don't claim ownership of that one. And you know we said this earlier. The Bellas are bad actresses. Yeah, uh, they're good. They're decent wrestlers now, but they're bad actresses. And that's probably the reason why they didn't last very long outside of WWE, and why they needed WWE and E to kind of boost the profile and whatnot. But you know, before we digress again, I, I don't get it. Like, why would you help out the people who've been making your life a living hell? Not just your sisters, but your life. Because Nikki Bella was the one being tortured before Brie Bella was yeah, rehired. Yeah, for as payback for what Brie did to Steph. Right? Exactly. So why would you do that? And for those who don't know, the reason why Nikki turned on Brie is because apparently Brie has been the better twin. Right. The more loved twin by well, who we Or the know. most successful sister. Well, you know what? sibling rivalry, it's like the female version of Matt versus Jeff again. So, well, yeah, that's that, and it's kind of a shallow reason, really. I would have, I would have accepted the reason more if, if it were Nikki turning, turning on Bree just to get more money, right? Because money, you know, money's always a good motivation. Which for is anyone. essentially what Seth Rollins did, right? But no, it had to be sibling rivalry, and if whether they could hold this up, we'll see. I guess this is one of those examples when trying to dumb it down was actually counterintuitive. Because a sibling rivalry storyline is something that writes itself. It's it's very yeah, basic. it's very natural for all siblings. If you, I mean, I've got sibling, you've got siblings. I've got a sister. Yeah, yeah you got a sister. Yeah, every sibling fight. Yeah, yeah, nothing at all. We we have nothing for this. We have no way because we know it's not going to be a good thing because the bells are terrible actresses, as we said. So yeah, but I will say that. I could, I'm not going to be against the in-ring action that comes out from this. I'm sure that Brie and Nikki will have decent matches against each other. Oh, yeah, especially torture being, acts galore. Yeah. yeah, especially being coached by two of the best wrestlers in the game. I.e. their boyfriends. Right. <laughs> speaking of boyfriends, speaking of uh, they're still going with this whole Daniel Bryan has an affair thing. Come on. It's, it, there is no reason. Even that, Even the man has spoken out against it. Yeah. He doesn't like it because obviously it's not true. It's pretty stupid. Unless it is true, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty stupid. I mean, like it hel- it's it serves nothing to like it. Just even in reality, like I would still choose Brie Bella over this Megan Miller chick. Yeah, even if okay, even if you know, you know, I wouldn't buy Steph if she told me my girlfriend was cheating on me. Uh-huh. But come on, I know you're just pushing my buttons here. Yeah, it's so stupid because it's not it's not in any way believable at all, and it's not value adding. Right, and with that, we move on to Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. There is no Roman Reigns moveset update this week because uh, there is no update to yeah. his moveset. There literally, is, literally. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but yeah, um, the match. Well, I guess what the, the takeaway from that match is the fact that Randy Orton pretty much carried Roman Reigns throughout that match, and that shows you, and that shows everyone. And we hate to say it because say Reigns has such a good look. Yeah, that Reigns is just not ready, and. Again, I said this last week. He is who we thought he is. A hot tag guy. No, 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 no. When when the shield first started, he is who we thought he he was. Ah. You know, the the, the the other guy. The other guy, the WWE made guy who isn't as good as these two indie guys. The weak so, link, supposedly. Yeah, the weak link. So yeah. Um and I guess the match was just overshadowed by the fact that it wasn't as strong a story as the other stories. Yeah. And uh, Which doesn't you... take away from the story itself because the story itself would have actually been good independently. Yeah, but who cares about Randy Orton really? <laughs> would Be- you really care about him getting his title shot stolen from by by Roman Reigns stolen, quote unquote? Probably not. But then again, you know, uh, we, you, you pay, we've said this online. It's just though. a mix of bad fact of meh factors that nobody cares about Randy Orton, and then Reigns can't. Um, wrestle a good match yet yeah. on his own right, right. without someone holding his hand through it. So, yeah. Um, but it says a lot, though, about Randy Orton and his his GOAT potential. Right. Sleeper, greatest of all time. Uh, I'm going to lay it out right here. Sleeper goat. Randy Orton as a sleeper goat. We, uh, you know, It's been said now here on the SVP podcast. I wish, I wish that 
you know, four maybe four to five minutes were shaved off of the of this match and given to the Divas Championship match. Or how about the WWE Championship match, though? Okay, let's move on to this. Since you, <laughs> since you want to go on to this, let's move on to this. All right. For those who don't know, Brock Lesnar absolutely squashed John Cena. There's no other way to put it. It was not a competitive match. It was a squash. It was it, a glorified squash. It was a glorified squash. You know what? I was excited. I called my dad. Sure. Dude, right. I thought there was. A, I thought there was a totally a father son moment. It was supposed <laughs> to be a father son moment, and well, I was there, and I was just sitting there, and my dad was like, "Tanoon." Well, it would be if you were a Brock Lesnar fan. If you, if you and your dad were Brock Lesnar fans. Not really. I mean, like, we, we love wrestling. Right. We watch it for whatever, it whatever's been, on. It would have been an actual father-son moment if you were. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah, but, you know, it, um, I guess the first reaction, at least on my end, was I was kind of underwhelmed. And then the second was shock. Right. Mas na-underwhelmed no, and well, then na-shock ako. I was entertained in a way na, wow, they're really doing this like this. 16 suplexes. Yeah, they're really, they're really, they're really not, the match. they're really not letting Cena get anything in. And I'm really entertained by the fact that they would do that, but not by the fact, but not by the act itself. When I was watching the match, though, uh, the first thought that came into my head was, "Pucha parang WWE 2K14," and Brock Lesnar had unleaf finishers. Right, right. That's that's what I said then. I tweeted that Brock won this the same way a kid would in Here Comes the Pain. Diba? Right. Unleaf finisher. Eh? And uh, I was kind of waiting for the Kimura lock to come in, but that didn't happen. Right. So and, now, now we know that, and, you know. And um, when Cena got his comeback in, I thought that that was where Cena was going to win. And I was afraid. No, I knew Cena wasn't going to win. But no, no, I, no, no. I, I knew, you know, I, I've been watching this for so long now that anything could literally happen. You know, JR says it all the time, but I believe it, that anything can happen in the WWE. Even the worst things that you fear would happen. Which in this case would have been Super Cena coming back from out of nowhere. Yes, and when he when he made his comeback, a part of me thought that oh no, etana, 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 time na na mananadan siya. Like he did in Extreme Rules 2012. Right. And I'm so glad that he didn't. Right. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's not that I'm glad that he didn't. More of parang I don't know. Um, I I still actually don't know what to feel to be very very honest with you. Like, you know, I guess it has sunk in that Brock Lesnar is the champion, but where do we go from here? Because I'll say no. My my opinion of the whole thing is that first of all, again, it's not more of a match as it is a segment, if you will. It felt more like a segment, and then while I was entertained by the squash in the way that. Wow, Brock is finally dominant. He doesn't have to go back and forth against, you know, like he did when C- with CM Punk at SummerSlam last year. Right. And But I'm still a guy who likes the more competitive back and forth matches. On the man. Yeah. And like, I wanted to see it from them because Cena doesn't suck. I believe Cena doesn't suck. I believe neither Cena's do I. One of, one of the greatest of all time. And I wanted to see that. I wanted to see Cena wrestle as though he were GOAT. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, dude. Like, I'm really trying to find something to say, but right now I'm I still am on the fence as to how I feel with how it all went down. So, like, I, I kind of want to speculate right now. Like, okay, what does this Brock Lesnar win mean? Right, right, um, right. I posted you this question right after the show. Right, and I, that, I've had some time to think about it. Okay, let me let me state the question, Wina. What does it mean? What is the Brock Lesnar title win really for? Is it to bring Cena back? To you know, to further him even more, to establish his career, his legacy even more, when he finally wins it back. Because when you think about it, as the way he destroyed Cena was already setting up the rematch. Because there's no way Cena lets this go like that. Oh no, man! And there will be a rematch at the right. Champions. Cena, Cena isn't a moron as to try and not learn, uh, you know, as to not learn from how he got beaten at SummerSlam. Right. He he's a guy who will study film train a different way, look for a different approach as to how to better wrestle against better wrestle Lesnar. Right? So I, I'm not it's already setting up the rematch. Eh? Is it that or is the Brock title win really to establish a new star? Is it for a new star? Is it for a new Eddie Guerrero? Alright, I have two ways of attacking this. Right, okay, so here, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I have I have my way. I thought about it as well. I've been in Facebook arguments over this. That's what I do. I get into arguments on the internet about wrestling. <laughs> so I've had a lot of time a lot of time to think about this. So Stan, you you tell me what you what's on your mind. Right, right. right. What's on my mind right now actually, uh, is if if this is gonna be setting up for you know, if this is gonna be a setup for John Cena to finally win it back, 
this will be number 16 for John Cena. Okay, sure. And we recognize Ric Flair as the title holder for the most titles ever. Right. 16? Right. John Cena's 16th win, if it comes against Brock Lesnar, it will be in momentous fashion in the rematch. Sure. Like, okay, maybe that's a, that's a good point. Sure. That being said, what happened at SummerSlam becomes necessary to build up that storyline. You build up that gravitas for John Cena. You build up that, rais- that raison d'etre, or how, however, you, however you pronounce it in French. Raison d'etre. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm Thank not you. French. Sorry. Thanks, René Dupree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you, you build up that reason for people to get behind John Cena, right? right. And, sure. and when that happens, whether it's at Night of Champions or any other pay-per-view where John Cena finally gets his shot against Brock Lesnar, um, mas deeper meaning or bigger meaning yung 16th title win na yun. You know that that 16th title win is recognizable as the Brock Lesnar win and not, let's say, win number seven, which came against, I don't know, Edge, Randy Orton? <laughs> right, sure, okay. So there's, there's that point of view. There's the, uh, there's the other point of view, which I think makes more sense down the road. Like if you're going to do all this forward thinking, right. forward thinking, uh, I think that it would help WWE moving forward if they actually use a Brock Lesnar win to build up a bigger star. Meaning that John Cena, his 15th reign is a transitional reign. Sure. And, and we've talked about this before. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the possibility that Cena is probably a transitional champion at this stage of his career. And that's okay because he's already accomplished everything there is to accomplish. But Lesnar having beaten The Undertaker, that's a big thing. Lesnar winning the championship in this manner is the second big thing that further legitimizes whoever beats Brock Lesnar next. Okay. And uh, that makes it very important that they establish the next big star. It has to be a young guy. It has to be someone up and coming, someone who the WWE Universe can really get behind. Right, yeah. Basically, yeah. It has to be someone like Eddie Guerrero, basically an underdog. Sure. And that's why it has to be Daniel Bryan. Right, okay. I agree with you. I agree with that. I agree with that pick. It has to be Daniel Bryan. Like either uh, for me, it's either Daniel Bryan or Cesaro. Yeah, you meant you mentioned that to me. Um, okay, let's see Cesaro, but I would still be more convinced course, if it was Daniel Bryan. Sure. That's okay. not no, because no, 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 not a problem at all. And that's not because I'm a Daniel Bryan fan, because I am, and everyone who know everyone who knows me knows this. Everyone who listens to the podcast knows this. But it has to be Daniel Bryan. Like I can't think of any other guy who'll probably deserve it more or, or who needs it more than Daniel Bryan, especially after. What happened to him post WrestleMania? And the tough years he's having lately. That's right. He might need uh, third surgery for his um, elbow, I think, or arm. That's right. So there, uh, that's my thing. That's my take. It's probably a combination of the things I've read and you know, like the things I've been thinking about since since SummerSlam went down. Okay. What if I tell you that we can do both? Wow. What if I tell you that I have a way to do both? And I'm, let me try to wrap this between uh, under three minutes. Right. Okay. First step, Cena does not win his rematches okay. at all. All right. So we let that go. Okay. We let this go. Cena lets this go for a while. And then you use Brock's title win to build up a new star. As you mentioned, in a, tradi- in a traditional way, next WrestleMania, maybe after the Royal Rumble, um, Brock builds a new star and gets busy with him for a while. Right. And then next year, at the next WrestleMania, basically WrestleMania 32, that's Not 31. Same. Not 31. 31, Brock is busy building up a new star. Okay. At 32, Cena challenges Brock. Wow, okay. And loses. Again? Again. After, after wrestling a better match than what we saw in SummerSlam. All right. He loses at, at WrestleMania 32. Okay. So he lets this go. Right. At WrestleMania 33, he challenges Brock for the last time. And then he retires if he loses. Sure. But he wins. <laughs> wow. He wins. And maybe he retires after that, as all the same. Wow. I think Cena Brock might be the last greatest story arc in Cena's career. And right. I think it deserves, I think Brock is the kind of opponent that deserves a long, a long played out story. Like Cena and Rock that went on for like three years. Yeah, three years. I think years. Brock is deserving and is even better th- than Dwayne. In that role, because he's a better wrestler than Dwayne for one, and he's a better threat to Cena than Dwayne was. Plus, it kind of makes sense given Brock's part-time schedule exactly. and how Paul Heyman likes to keep and him I'm on sure, a part-time. Yeah, leash. and I'm sure Brock is still going to be able to wrestle all throughout that entire time period, all through WrestleMania 33. That's the idea. That's yeah, that's, that's my big plan for it. That's how you elevate the next star and 
bring back John Cena as well because you cannot. If I were Cena, and I lost both my challenge, uh, my championship matches against Lesnar, I could not let this go, man. Italy in question. For this to happen, though, would you require Brock Lesnar to hold on to the championship no, no. until WrestleMania no, 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 33? No, no, no. It's not a it's not a championship thing anymore. It's it becomes it's, just Cena versus Brock. Yeah, it's less it's less like Cena versus Rock, but and more like Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. Ah, okay, that makes more sense, right? Right, and right. that would sell tickets. It would, it would, because if Brock is really that guy, he's really that monster, he's really that beast, and it, I think he serves, he plays that role really well. I think Brock might just be the greatest nemesis Cena has. Not, not Punk, not Rock, not Edge, Brock. not even Edge, not even Edge, but Brock. And it's kind of fitting because they started their careers at the same time. Yeah, and if you notice, Heyman when when he talks about Cena, it's always as though they were feuding ten years ago. And he, he makes his references to the old Cena character. He does the rap. He references basic thugonomics by basic brockonomics. You know what? He was actually pretty reverential towards John Cena. Yeah, and yeah. It's as though. Um, it's as though they're still feuding in 2003. And he was putting Cena over. How, so, how often do you so, see someone yeah, get put right, over right after a loss like that? If you got that much history, there is, no, there is no reason for you not to move forward in the future in a long-term manner. Wow. It's, it's a great it's a great plan. I, it's I am plan, so. figuratively shitting bricks in my head. <laughs> it would have... Yeah, because you, you can't do one or the other in this situation I think I say you can't that you can't just let Cena go uh, move on in his career without addressing the issue of Brock Brock will always be a huge asterisk in his career until he deals with it kind of like how he had to deal with The Rock and now you know now he has to deal yeah, with, it's more with of Lesnar his, it's more of his legacy you know how HBK said he had to end the streak for his own legacy for, for his, his peace of mind yeah, yeah I think it's the same thing Cena has to beat Brock in order to call himself one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. And I think this is a good opportunity as well for, for older fans like you and me to right. actually get behind John Cena. I mean, for all of the years, the people like us have been shitting on John Cena. I think this is, uh, you know, given this kind of storyline, if this plays out for as long as we think it might play out. Yeah. I'll be Cena, like, Cena. I would be rooting for John Cena. Like, I would yeah, find myself rooting for John Cena. And, oh, yo, yo, by the way, speaking of rooting for John Cena... Bonus points if before WrestleMania 33, a double turn happens. Oh, Cena, Cena, Cena has to do everything he has in order to beat Brock. And then, right, you know, you know how um, in HBK's last match, yeah. HBK was basically the heel yeah, he trying was. to find a way to win against Taker. Not just trying to find a way to win, but getting inside Taker's head yeah. to get that edge. Right. Wow, and, wow, 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 wow. It would be great because people essentially cheer for Brock now anyway. Right. Wow, 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 wow. All right, three years down the road, you and I, we're going to dig up episode 20 <laughs> of the SGP podcast. And if I'm right, I will tell you again that I'm right. <laughs> we're going to dig this up three years down the road, and we're going to tell you how this all goes down. But right now, we got to call it, uh, call it a week. But before that, let's give you our pick of the week. I gave you mine earlier. And mine would be the rematch of Seth and Dean. Cinder blocks. Cinder blocks. And um, a powerbomb onto onto the pile of steel chairs and stuff like that. Curb stomps everywhere. That was awesome. I I, I just think it was a better match than the Lumberjack match because it was just them. There was not not much outside interference other than Kane. And when they just, you know, when they're just in there together, there's just... There's magic. There's magic. So, yeah. Uh, the rematch over the Lumberjack match. That's my pick of the week. Thank you, Seth. Ta- uh, thank you, TM. Uh, it was a great week in wrestling. We're going to wrap it up here. And, of course, as always, we've got to thank you for keeping the SGP podcast alive. Uh, don't forget, you can download us on your favorite podcast apps. We're on Buzzsprout. We're on the iTunes Store. We're on, we're, yeah, we're on your favorite podcast app on Android or, I- or on iOS. So uh, no excuse for you not to tell your friends where, where to everywhere. find us. And we are for free. Everywhere. For and free for not $9.99. Not $9.99. Fuck that. Uh, but if there's anything you want to ask us about, anything you want to debate uh, with us about yeah, we with regards to wrestling, yeah. I want to know what you think of my plan because um, I've managed to convert some people toward it. 
Let us know. It's at Stan947. At Roa's War. That's on Twitter. So just let us know. Uh, it, happy anniversary, by the way, to the boys and the girls of Smart Gilas Pilipinas. And if you want to be, yeah, be a part of that, just go to Facebook, type in your search box, Smart Gilas Pilipinas. Or type on the URL, facebook.com slash groups slash Smart Gilas Pilipinas. We've been going at it for a year. You can join us and talk about wrestling, any kind of wrestling that you like, as long as it's pro wrestling. And, and maybe me- even amateur wrestling. In the meantime, though, if you're going to be spending your weekend at Mega Mall and if you find some kids going around Spider-Man... Cheap, cheap plug. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that guy in the Daily Bugle outfit marking out right next to Spider-Man. Right. You're going to have to cut me all some right, slack. All right, it, all right. It's not every day that Spider-Man comes into town. For sure. And I'm, I'm a big Spider-Man mark. But I think this is for kids. Yeah, this is for kids. <laughs> but it goes without saying, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great weekend. You have a great weekend as well. Enjoy the holiday on Monday. That's National Heroes Day. Right. And uh, we're going to be signing off right here. Smart Gita's Filipinas Podcast, Episode 20, out. Peace. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.